Hello, my name is Kevin Fernando. I'm a GP partner at North Berwick Health Centre near Edinburgh and also Education Director of GP Notebook Education. Welcome to our new season of GP Notebook Podcasts, a bite-sized regular chat for all of us working in primary care. Podcasts will cover clinical tips and hacks, as well as hot topics to help make our lives a wee bit easier, but ultimately to help improve the lives of our patients in primary care. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Kevin Fernando for more clinical tips and hacks relevant to all of us working in primary care. And also visit gpnotebookeducation.com to hear about our upcoming virtual GP Notebook study groups for 2022, as well as download our GP Notebook Shortcuts Clinical Aid Memoirs. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk about the identification and management of familial hypercholesterolemia in primary care, an under-recognized condition in primary care. So let's start with a typical case we might all see in everyday clinical practice. So we have Juliana. She's 43 years old and she contacted the practice requesting a cholesterol check because her father suffered a heart attack in his early 50s. Juliana is keeping very well herself. She, uh, she has no past medical history of note. She's not on any regular prescribed medications, nothing over the counter, and she denies any illicit drug use. Juliana works as a journalist and she's a non-smoker. So we check some bloods. FBC, UNE, TFT and HbA1c were all normal. And his, her lipid profile returned with a total cholesterol of 75 HDL cholesterol of 1.4, triglycerides of 2.2, and LDL cholesterol of 2.9. Her blood pressure was 126 over 74, and BMI was 22. So her numbers were plugged into the QRISC-3 2018 calculator, and a 10-year cardiovascular risk returned at just 2%. So what do you do next for Juliana? Would you simply repeat a lipid profile on a fasting sample? Would you offer lifestyle advice and recheck a lipid profile in about a year's time? Would you offer lifestyle advice and consider a tovastatin 20 milligrams? Would you offer lifestyle advice and consider combination lipid therapy, perhaps a tovastatin and ezetimibe? Or would you phone a friend and refer her to your local lipid clinic to exclude familial hypercholesterolemia? So to set the scene for this podcast on familial hypercholesterolemia or FH and perhaps how we might best manage and support Juliana, there was a powerful comment very recently published in The Lancet following up on another study published in The Lancet, a global registry study exploring how FH is detected and managed globally. And unfortunately, the bottom line was FH is diagnosed late. Individuals often have other cardiovascular risk factors, and unfortunately, individuals living with the FH remain significantly undertreated and therefore suffer premature atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. All FH guidelines recommend high-intensity statins for people living with FH independent of the presence of cardiovascular disease. However, this global registry study suggested only around 60% of people with FH were on lipid-lowering medications, of which 80% were statins, but at sub-optimal doses. Moreover, 
guideline recommended LDL cholesterol targets were not frequently achieved with a single lipid lowering therapy such as a statin. Sadly, there was also observed a disparity in care for women with FH. Women generally were diagnosed later than men and were less likely to be on lipid lowering therapies. So the authors of this comment concluded that a call to action is required to improve outcomes for people living with FH and that earlier detection and perhaps greater use of combination therapies are required to reduce the global burden of FH. So NICE have recently updated their familial hypercholesterolemia guideline updated during 2019 with a number of important key take-home messages for us all working in primary care. And that's what I'm going to take you through just now. So the first message I took away is that FH is common, perhaps commoner than many of us appreciate. FH affects up to one in 250 individuals in the UK. Now, FH is caused by a mutation in genes encoding LDL receptors, leading to decreased cellular uptake of LDL cholesterol and therefore elevated serum LDL cholesterol. So in a typical practice with 10,000 patients like mine in North Berwick, I would expect to have 30 to 40 individuals with FH. So it's an easily missed diagnosis. And as mentioned already, sadly, those with uh, undiagnosed FH have a high risk of premature cardiovascular disease. So if untreated, FH can lead to coronary heart disease in over 50% of men by the age of 50 and at least 30% of women by the age of 60. However, if treated early, individuals with FH can expect the same life expectancy as their unaffected siblings. So there's two types of FH we need to be aware of. First of all, heterozygous FH. Now, this is the commonest form. It's autosomal dominant. So that means it's going to occur once in every generation. The other form, much more rarer form, is homozygous FH. Very rare. One in a million. So many of us will never see this in our careers, in our entire careers. So this sadly, this form sadly leads to severe coronary artery disease by the mid-20s or perhaps even earlier. And also often there's associated severe aortic stenosis. Now importantly, many people with FH are asymptomatic. Therefore, active case finding is pivotal. Now the next key message is that People with FH are not identified by cardiovascular disease assessment tools such as QRISC-3 2018. So we shouldn't use these tools specifically to identify our patients with FH. So what should we do instead? Well, NICE suggests systematically searching our primary care records for people with a total cholesterol over 7.5 in those under the age of 30 or a total cholesterol above 9 in those over the age of 30. Now, we do have some tools available uh, to us to help us do these uh, systematic searches. One is called the FAMCAT2 tool, uh, produced by the University of Nottingham Primus. So uh, I've put a link in the show notes to this uh, podcast to, to access that tool. So do have a look at that in your own time. 
So once we've done this systematic search, we should suspect FH in adults over the age of 16 with a total cholesterol over 7.5 and or a personal history of premature coronary heart disease under the age of 60 or a family history of premature coronary heart disease under the age of 60 in a first degree relative. We must also remember to exclude secondary causes of hyperlipidemia. So conditions such as type 2 diabetes, close relationship with dyslipidemia, chronic kidney disease, hypothyroidism, excessive alcohol consumption, obesity, and also certain medications such as steroids and beta blockers. So once we identify individuals that may have FH, NICE recommends assessing these individuals against standard familial hypercholesterolemia diagnostic criteria. And commonly used diagnostic criteria in the UK are the Simon Broom criteria. Now, these Simon Broom criteria take into account cholesterol levels, ideally LDL cholesterol levels, but also clinical signs such as tendon xanthomas and corneal arcus, and also a family history of cardiovascular disease. But importantly, remember the absence of clinical signs does not exclude a diagnosis of FH or familial hypercholesterolemia. So again, I've put a link in the show notes for this podcast um, on uh, to directing towards the Simon Broom criteria. So you can have a look at them in a, a bit more detail and perhaps use them in your everyday clinical practice. So what the Simon Broom criteria suggests is either a definite or possible diagnosis of FH. So if that's the case, then we should refer that individual for specialist assessment. They'll be seen by our lipid clinic colleagues uh, where they'll undergo further investigations and if confirmed, they will require genetic cascade testing to identify any affected first, second or even third degree relatives where possible. So how do we manage someone with definite familial hypercholesterolemia? Well, here, of course, we're going to be taking a steer from our secondary care lipid colleagues Treatment is usually initiated by a specialist, but we'll have to follow up these individuals in primary care and perhaps uh, titrate up their medications. And of course, we need to reinforce lifestyle advice, particularly smoking cessation, following a healthy diet and increasing physical activity. So what are the general principles of, of uh, treatment? Well, we should be informing everyone with FH that treatment should be lifelong. So adults with FH should be offered high-intensity statin therapy um, titrated up to the maximum tolerated dose to achieve a recommended reduction in baseline cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, of over 50%. So if the maximum tolerated dose of statin doesn't achieve this over 50% reduction in baseline LDL cholesterol, then the recommendation is to add in azetamibe. And if this combination of ezetimibe and high-intensity statin does still not bring down the LDL to an appropriate target, then we should consider referral again back to our lipid colleagues to consider other more specialist medications such as PCSK9 inhibitors. 
So very much our role in primary care is, yes, to identify these individuals, but also to follow them up once they're started on high-intensity statins to ensure they get down to these very tight LDL cholesterol targets. So returning to Juliana then, what did we do for Juliana? Well, I did actually refer her to the lipid clinic as when I assessed her against the Simon Broom criteria, it suggested a possible diagnosis of familial hypercholesterolemia because she has a total cholesterol of over 7.5 and a family history of premature cardiovascular disease. So I referred her to my lipid uh, clinic colleagues to either confirm or refute a diagnosis of familial hypercholesterolemia. So thank you all for listening. I hope you found that podcast helpful. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcasts, which are available on all major platforms. Get in touch via social media at Dr. Kevin Fernando or email me on kevin at gpnotebook.co.uk if you have any questions, comments or ideas for future podcasts. You should also visit us at gpnotebookeducation.com to hear about our upcoming virtual GP Notebook study groups for 2022, as well as download our free GP Notebook shortcuts, our clinical aid memoirs, to make our lives a wee bit easier, but ultimately to help improve the lives of our patients in primary care. 